0: We need middle managers, including project managers, because close to 90% of successful organizational change initiatives are driven by middle management, and that includes project managers. So, What we need to do is to find a way to more clearly define what people with that skill, that project management skill, add within the Agile context.
1: Welcome to Manage This, the podcast by project managers for project managers. My name is Wendy Grounds, and with me in the studio is Bill Yates. This podcast is about project management. Join us to be motivated and inspired by project stories, leadership lessons, and wise advice from industry experts from all across the world. One of those leadership experts is who we're talking to today. Sanjeev Augustine is the founder and CEO of LifeSpeed LLC and the Agile Leadership Academy. Sanjeev is the author of the books, From PMO to VMO, Managing Agile Projects and Scaling Agile. He's been an in-the-trenches practitioner. He's also managed many agile projects and he has trained thousands of agile practitioners.
2: Sanjeev is the chair of the Agile Alliance's Agile Executive Forum and the founder and moderator of the Lean Startup in the Enterprise Meetup. He was also a founding member of the Project Management Institute's Agile Community of Practice. So not only is he a well-versed practitioner, but he's had a lot of influence in shaping how many of these organizations have addressed and scaled Agile.
1: Sanjeev, welcome to Manage This. Thank you so much for being our guest.
0: Thank you very much, Wendy. I really appreciate being here with both Bill and you.
1: Yeah, we're looking forward to tackling this topic and getting your expertise but before we get into that, can you tell us about your background working with organizations and those in the trenches who want to adopt agile practices and just a little bit about what you do?
0: Thanks for this opportunity once again. And I want to start with about 20 years ago, believe it or not. I've been in the industry for about 30 years, but 20 years ago, I started my agile journey. This is with an organization that you might know. It's uh, the Capon Bank. And the CIO at that time was looking for a way to cut their time to market by 50%. And so he went to his CTO and said, please find a way to do this with Agile methods. And in those days, nobody was crazy enough to sign up for that. But we ended up partnering with the CTO of Capital One and ending up rolling out Agile methods, more specifically Scrum, in three countries with 5,000 people. So it was a massive enterprise adoption. We made mistakes along the way, learned lots of great lessons along the way. And here we are 20 years later.
2: Yeah, you were on the cutting edge 20 years ago. That's amazing. You guys were kind of in the lab of, okay, we think this works for Scrum. Let's go see what they do with it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, I would
0: say it's more for Crucible than a lab because it was pretty hot in there. <laughs> I'll bet. I'll
2: bet. A lot of pressure to get things done. That brings us to the next question, which is kind of about, all right, what about current trends? Let's take a look at the current trends. What successes and challenges are you seeing with recent enterprise Agile transformations?
0: That's a great question. There's a lot of confusion, right? There's a confusion in the set of methods and as people try to roll out those methods. And so with enterprise Agile transformations, what we're really talking about is taking more than a few teams, because people have been operating with Agile teams for, let's say, 20 years or more. Let's say you have five teams, and then on one hand, there's a question of how you aggregate and align the work of those teams to scale them. So this is what we know as scaling up. So there are scaling methodologies. Most popularly, there's the scaled agile framework or SAFE. There's disciplined agile, which is the PMI method, and there's scrum at scale and others, right? So one challenge is to say, okay, if we have a few agile teams, how do we take these teams and scale up that solution using a scaling framework? Now, some people want to roll their own scaling framework. They might use something like Lean Thinking and do that. And that's all well. So that's one side of the challenge. The other challenge we're finding, and this is very much apropos to talk about in our current pandemic environment, is also using Agile methods as a platform for business agility. So it's not just hey, we're going to go off and implement Scrum or some other scaling framework like SAFe or Disciplined Agile. It's how can we take these agile methods and orient them towards business outcomes and deliver business agility. So, what's business agility? Is the ability to respond and pivot and change direction on a dime for a dime, right? So, very quickly for a relatively low cost. So, we're building resilience. We're using agile methods, and so the challenge becomes: how can we, on one hand, scale up, right, as an implemented scaling framework? to bring in multiple teams onto a fold, and the other hand, now take these functions which might have been predominantly within the IT space and shift left into the business side. Bring in HR, bring in legal, bring in our business partners, bring in sales, bring in marketing, and now what we're talking about is an end-to-end adoption of agile. So that comes with challenges. The main challenge we're seeing, or main two challenges we're seeing, is one is in going end-to-end, we encounter silos. Right. So 9 to 12 silos in large organizations, it's kind of stunning in today's world that we're dealing with this. But that's the reality of most organizations. So we have to figure out how to get people to work across those silos. The second thing we have to figure out is how to connect strategy to execution. Right. So most organizations will have a decent strategy, and yet they fail at connecting that strategy to execution. So even as we're moving towards scaling Agile methods up, even as we're looking to shift left into the business, we also have to always keep our eye on that North Star, which is our strategic goal, and then figure out how to link what we're doing on the ground with our teams or whatever construct we put in place to scale and always link that back to business outcomes and our North Star purpose.
2: Sanjeev, what does success look like in those organizations, given those challenges that you see when companies are doing it the right way? What does success look like?
0: Yeah, I see success as being measured and should be measured around two dimensions. One is clearly the business dimension. So if we are measuring success with the business dimension, then very popularly out in the industry, the most popular technique over there is using objectives and key results, OKRs, right? So we get our executives to sit down. They tell us what our North Star is with our strategy. We translate that into very specific objectives and then very granular, quantifiable key results. And then measuring success becomes clear and unequivocal, right? We either meet a key result or we don't. The second thing that we have to watch out for the other dimension, and this is where agile methods really bring something that no other methods do to the table, that is the people dimension. I mean, we're hearing a lot about this great resignation, unhappy people, isolation, stress, depression, all these things that are very up in front in our radar during the pandemic. Well, success also means that we have engaged staff members, we have engaged team members, we have uh, employees who are happy and engaged, and that we're operating and delivering solutions and meeting our business outcomes, but we're doing it in a sustainable way that really grows our people happiness as well. So two dimensions, business dimension and the people dimension.
2: Got it. Okay. Now that's helpful. So I can almost answer my own question, but I want to go ahead and go there anyway. What about the flip side of that? How can you tell when groups are struggling? You talked a bit about silos and connecting strategy to execution. What does it look like when those things are falling off the rails, when that's not working? What are the frustrations that you see?
0: Yeah, so those become evident pretty clearly, right? So in today's world, especially with the switch to virtual and what we're calling like digital first, if you will, there are. Companies that already had very strong process discipline, and whether it's lean or agile, they're the ones who were able to make that shift relatively seamlessly. And there are others that either didn't have a good process discipline and or a good respect for their people that have struggled. So we don't necessarily need to introduce agile or any other process to figure out that things are not working. Many of these organizations, you can already see it from their financial indicators that they're not meeting their targets or they're not successful or they're having a lot of problem with attrition and their good people are leaving. There's obviously attrition. People are moving around. Everybody's facing that. But you don't want your good or your best people to leave. So that will just end up making the bad worse, right? So whether it's missing project deadlines, not getting good products to market, not getting good customer satisfaction, putting products onto the market that are you know not meeting their customer needs or user needs, These are all indicators of challenges, and you can start to see that. And then the other way you can look at it is who's doing it properly. I'm just going to use some product companies over here. You look at Microsoft or you look at some of these other companies, even like a Tesla, they're able to meet their goals, even though they're aggressive. I just saw something about Microsoft come through that, oh, they met their financial goals and they're able to keep their people happy. Their management philosophy aligns. Their people are happy. Their customers are happy. They're growing. It's all good in spite of a pandemic. Right. Yeah.
1: Another thing that we really want to get your opinion on is observations you have made that some large organizations are questioning the value and even laying off project managers or eliminating that project management function altogether. So is this something that is widespread and why are organizations doing this?
0: You remember that movie Groundhog Day? It is a cult classic, right? And within the Agile community, there's this groundhog day question that comes up, and it is, what value can project managers contribute to Agile initiatives? And I've been hearing it for the past five years, for the past 10 years, for the last 15 years, as long as I can remember. And there's a bit of the mea culpa that we need to take within the Agile community, because one of the things that we haven't done is to clearly specify value-adding roles for project managers within the agile context For example scrum has product owners you have a scrum master you have a team role other methodologies have other things and we're still 20 years hence and every year at groundhog day time we're answering this question where do project managers fit in so hopefully we can have a clearer answer and the issue is that there's a lack of clarity around how project managers or people with their skill sets can Add value within an agile model, right? Quite often, what we're seeing now is that there's a larger trend as organizations are shifting from a project model, which is a time bomb model where we start something, we go on for a transient period of time, and then we finish something, right? They're shifting to what we call a product model. And so some of the cognitive dissonance comes in is like, well, we're moving to product model. We have this mantra going project to product. We don't need no stinking project managers. And so there's a bit of a knee-jerk reaction in that, well, maybe we don't need these people. And what we found is that the opposite is exactly true. We need middle managers, including project managers, because close to 90% of successful organizational change initiatives are driven by middle management. And that includes project managers. So what we need to do is to find a way to more clearly define what people with that skill, that project management skill, add within the agile context.
2: That's great. And I'm thinking of that fun movie, Groundhog Day, Bill Murray, and just how ridiculously fun that was. That's such a great analogy because I hear that over and over. It's like, yeah, oh, we don't need project managers anymore. We have product managers or we're using agile. So we're, you know, everybody on the team is a project manager. It's like, let's let's take a little sanity check here. Okay, so let's be practical, though, because I'm sure just by having this conversation, we're probably making some of our listeners a little bit anxious. Like, okay, I actually do have project manager on my business card. That is my title. I'm nervous now. You know, you talk about the value-adding role of the project manager. What else can we do about it as a project manager? How can we kind of stake our claim or say this is the value that we add to the organization or this is what sets us apart?
0: So whatever our title is, and there's no, absolutely nothing wrong with the title of project manager, right? especially when you have a project model, whatever the title is, the question every project manager, in fact, every, every person should ask is, how can I add value in this environment? If it's a traditional environment, great. If it's an agile environment, okay, fantastic. If it's post-agile two years from now, we might be talking about something else. What is the way that I can add value to my particular environment, my particular department, my particular organization. And then we start from there. And so for a project manager, if you have a project, then it's about making sure that we can deliver the triple constraints, scope, schedule, and budget in a more modern way with making work transparent, using the tools that we have now with any sort of agile tool or non-agile tool, traditional tool, and linking those three things to customer outcomes. Right? So. I do think that the traditional project management definition of the role needs to be oriented much more towards the value side of the equation using these OKRs because you could deliver, for example, the solution with all the scope that was initially envisioned exactly on time, on schedule, exactly within budget, and we could have totally dissatisfied customers and end users because we delivered the wrong thing. right? And so as a project manager, whatever role that we're undertaking, whatever the title is, let's start to have this conversation about what is value and how do I link my role to value. Now, in an agile situation, if we have adopted agile, and many organizations are five years, 10 years into agile, there's an aggressive move underway, inexorable, if you will, towards the product model. And so then it might be that the title might change, and right? So the project management institute themselves has put out a paper on this saying the role of the project managers and the PMO, the project management office, is very likely going to change and is going to move towards value management. In that situation, what we would recommend is that every project manager consider this role of a value manager.
1: So let's look at project management and project managers who are adding value to agile initiatives, especially in the virtual world, which is what we're all part of right now with so much remote work. Also, do you have advice for project managers who work exclusively on traditional projects? What advice can you give to them?
0: Yeah, so that's a great question. I'm going to dial back and take you a little bit down memory lane over here to tell you about the origins of Agile. So Agile methods, especially Agile product development or Agile product management, has its roots in the lean movement, right? This is the stuff that came out of Toyota post-World War II, Edwards Deming, and even older than that, it goes back to the work of Bill Shuler and AT&T Bell Labs and statistical process control and such. So if we are dealing with traditional project models and we don't necessarily have an agile model or nomenclature or taxonomy, it doesn't matter. Again, if you look at it from the triple constraints of scope, schedule, and budget with, of course, an eye towards aligning that towards value, let's put on our lean hat. You can pick up the PIMBOK. Uh, By the way, the latest edition of the PMBOK, the Project Management Body of Knowledge, has a lot of Agile stuff in there. So even if we have a more, quote-unquote, traditional environment, the techniques that are being manifested on Agile methods are nothing but things that have come to us and that have been handed down from me. So for example, within an Agile method, there's a technique called a retrospective, which we would recognize as being a lessons learned meeting that from a traditional project management model. Well, that is nothing but lean Kaizen, continuous improvement, where people get together and say, okay, what's working? What's not working? And there are other parallels as well. In the military, they'll say, well, we we want to have an after-action review. We do something, we check it, we see, is it working? What do we need to tweak? And so the fundamental underlying principle is improvement in that case. The tactic that we might have used in the old days is a lessons learned meeting. The way we translate it to the modern days is we just do it more often. Whether you want to still call it a lessons learned meeting or you want to call it a retrospective, it doesn't matter. What we're doing is we are implementing that lean principle of continuous improvement.
2: Yeah, that's so on point. You know, even back to Deming, I mean, back in the 50s, 1950s, he was introducing and, or taking ideas that he had learned and codifying them or uh, tweaking those. And, you know, just the simple plan, do, check, and either act or study, depending on where you want to pick it up. There's an iterative approach to that that was built in. And we're talking Deming. I mean, he was the ultimate number nerd, right? He was a statistician. You know? <laughs> so he was all about quality control and looking for ways to make tiny little improvements to processes. And he was focused on the minute detail, but it involved iterations and Kaizen. It was all about Kaizen.
0: It's funny you should mention that many people may not understand or appreciate that within Scrum, for example, right, the lead, one of the leading agile methods, we have short time boxes that we call sprints, typically about two weeks each. However, the Scrum process follows the Deming model. Yes. It's a plan to check out Exactly. every sprint. So <laughs> any lean person coming out of that will come and look at Scrum as like, oh, yeah, this looks familiar. It's like sure. you're visiting from another planet, but this planet looks very much the same as your own, maybe with a different colored moon.
2: Yes, right. Send you agile and traditional are two methods for getting things done. I think sometimes traditional gets a bad rap as being seen as slow, expensive, kind of uncool. Like, you know, that's my grandfather's way of managing projects, and all the cool kids are using agile now. Uh, just speak to this a bit and let's kind of compare and contrast and maybe find a point of sanity with agile and traditional.
0: Yeah, for this one, I have to come down on the side of the folks within the Project Management Institute and certainly of some of the leading organizations. What they've done is they've actually moved the discipline of project management forward. So there's certainly no sin of omission over there on the part of the, the organizing bodies or the industry credentialing and all that. I believe what we're dealing with is a legacy of 20, 30 years of people and organizations that have just become creaky and bureaucratic and just gotten used to doing things the way we used to do things 20 years ago. And then maybe when they don't want to change, what they're saying is, well, the Project Management Institute says this, so therefore I'm following this. Not true, right? The Project Management Institute has moved into the future. What we're doing is we're stuck in the past sometimes, and those methods of the past, bureaucratic as they are, non people focused as they are, non business aligned as they are, lead us to failure. And so some of the rap that's being directed towards the project management techniques is not deserved at all. It's the bureaucratic, hidebound organizations that are a problem, not necessarily project management per se as a discipline.
2: Yeah. I'm amused by some of the conversations that I see out there and I'm like, okay, again, guys, these are two different tool sets that you have. You need to look at the environment that you're going to manage your project in, assess that environment and determine which tool set makes the most sense. And don't be surprised when there are a lot of activities that you're doing that are going to apply regardless, whether it's agile, you know, whether it's a scrum method or whether it's more of a waterfall approach, there's still some basic things that you're going to do regardless of the tool set that you grab. So just pick the thing that gets the job done, right?
1: Sanjeev, you co-authored the book From PMO to VMO, Managing for Value Delivery. Can you just give us a definition of the agile VMO?
0: Yes, thank you for asking. We're very excited about that work. It's been a labor love over the last five years. So here's what a value management office is. It is a team of teams, which is cross-functional, cross-silo and cross-hierarchy. I'll unpack each one of those three things. That is responsible for lean portfolio management and adaptive governance. So put it all together, a cross-functional, cross-hierarchy, cross-silo team of teams that's responsible for lean portfolio management and adaptive governance. So cross-silo, pretty self-explanatory cross-hierarchy, what we want to make sure is that when we put a, this team of teams together, it's usually one level above the teams. Remember, I talked about the two major challenges that we have, one of scaling methods up and the others moving into the business side. So what we want to do is to put together a group of people, mid-level management group that includes business and IT together, executives as well, because we wanted to be cross-hierarchy, and team members as well. So this is a cross-hierarchy, cross-silo, and cross-functional because we might have business stakeholders, we might have operations, we might have IT. So all of those people are coming together. Now, what's the work that they're doing? Lean portfolio management and adaptive governance. Let's take the first one. So traditional portfolio management does need a little bit of rethinking. It is big batch type manufacturing. So if we were talking about Deming, you know what Deming brought was moving towards the lean model with smaller batches. And so lean portfolio management is, again, taking those Deming principles and applying them to traditional portfolio management. Let's not take a huge stack of projects and put it together in a book of work in a traditional technique. It's like, oh, let's get a book of work that has every single project, 400 projects, and now we're going to jam these 400 projects into the book. And who knows where they are and how they're getting done. And so the lean technique would be to... Put that group of work together, break those projects down into smaller pieces and prioritize them and then deliver them in conjunction with our business goals, our objectives and key results. So the lean equivalent would be a prioritized portfolio backlog. We take that book of work, break those projects down into smaller pieces, we prioritize them and link them back to our objectives and key results. And then we deliver them in small batches because we know from lean that's the fastest, most efficient, and the most customer-savvy way of doing things, right? So that's lean portfolio management. In today's world, we also have to make sure that we consider, incorporate, and integrate key governance functions. So the biggest obstacle to business agility, and the Business Agility Institute puts this out, is our funding model. Again, a big batch funding model. We get a little budget. You have to go beg, plead, borrow, and get money for your projects, and then we go up, and nobody checks to see whether we're delivering down or not. So we need a different funding model, and the model that we advocate is something that we call flexible funding by lean value streams. So let's align with what our customers are doing. Those are the value streams. Let's get our executives to fund those value streams, and let's get flexible funding so that we can make the money available where it's needed, when it's needed. So as things change, we might need to move things around. So that's the funding piece of it. And then there are other enterprise considerations that are not usually taken into consideration. So I'm going to give you guys this five-letter acronym, CARLA, C-A-R-L-A. And this is a cute name, but it's in our case, it's an acronym. So Compliance, Audit, Risk, Legal, and Architecture. And all of those enterprise functions, compliance, audit, risk, legal, and architecture, need to be considered and aligned with our business strategy, integrated up front so that we are not facing any issues in terms of security, architecture, or audit, or risk, and all of these things is part and parcel of the way we do this. So that's the work of the Agile VMO, Agile Value Management Office, focusing on lean portfolio management and adaptive governance.
2: That's a powerful model. And kudos to you guys for putting that in the book and creating that path for those who are looking to do things in a better way. I'm super curious. Can you share an example of an organization that's embraced this approach and how did it benefit them?
0: So because of client confidentiality, I can't share the name of particular clients, but there are at least three major financial services companies that we've worked with over the last three to five years. And uh, also the one that I can share because it's public knowledge is the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services. You know, A number of years ago, when Mark Schwartz, he was the CIO over there, he took many of these principles and implemented them before. Of course, we called it a VMO and such, but uh, some of the credit goes to Mark and his vision and his leadership over at the USCIS within the uh, federal government here in the United States. In the financial services sector, we have insurance companies, private equity companies, and regional banks that have adopted these techniques and have gotten a tremendous amount of success. A lot of them are growth-oriented. They have growth targets, and they're like, "Well, we need to build on these agile adoption. We need to use those agile teams or leverage those agile teams to continue to deliver better customer value to our customers. And now we're going to use that as a as a growth mechanism. So the success has been you know, financial growth." as well as uh, product and service growth, as well as always happy people and engaged uh, you know, employees.
2: Yeah, fantastic. When I think about a team of teams and you're going cross-silo, cross-functional, cross-hierarchy, that feels like a, a formula for success. The piece that I wanted to ask you about, though, the flexible funding. I mean, I could see the buy-in for the cross-silo, cross-functional, cross-hierarchy. But then when they say, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute, flexible funding? Eh, I don't know about that. So how is that playing out? Am I right? Is that where you get a lot of the resistance or is that gone pretty smoothly as well?
0: Has it gone pretty smoothly? Do you get a lot of resistance? Yes and yes. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. So it goes smoothly if you're talking to the right person. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question. Who do you think the right person is?
2: Wow. i go as high up the chain as possible. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: you have to go to the CFO. Yep. Right. If you're not getting a rethinking in the model, and if the CFO is not at the table, it's not going to happen because you just cannot rewire, rethink, re-engineer this annual budgeting and funding model without going to the top. Once you get the CFO sitting at the opposite side of the table, things are great, right? Because guess what they want? They want oversight. They want governance. And what they've been hearing is, We've gone agile. We don't need to give you a singing timeline. We don't need, we don't need to tell you this. <laughs> we don't do cost. budgets anymore. <laughs> we don't do budgets anymore. And yep. CFOs, when you go and tell them, here's a lean portfolio management model, here's how you're going to track your OKR, and here's how you're going to track your cost, and you now have to go and report to your boss, who's the CEO, here's how you're going to tell them you're going to grow the business. It's a win-win situation. Okay. Tomorrow. Yeah. He sold me. That's good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sanjeev, this has been great. Excellent advice. It's been really good talking with you. How can our listeners get in touch with you if they want to get your book or if they want to hear more about the work that you do? Which is the best way that they can reach you?
0: Yes, I really appreciate that question. Google and Amazon are our friends. So so all we need to do is to Google Sanjeev Augustine, S-A-N-J-I-V, space Augustine, and that'll lead our listeners out to our website. The name of the company is Lightspeed, dot com. However, that's a bit of a mouthful, so Google's the best way. Just Google Sanjeev Augustine's And the book is called From PMO to BMO, Managing for Value Delivery, Amazon.
2: Well, this has been great talking through with you. I really appreciate it. And again, the work you guys have done with the book and laying out this new model is so different. And the approach that you guys have taken, it makes a lot of sense building the team of teams this way.
0: Thank you so much. I know that Scott Ambler, who is the Chief Scientist from the PSI, the Project Management Institute, he has said publicly on his blog, he believes our book is going to be a game changer for PMOs.
2: Fantastic. Well, well done, sir. Thank you for your contribution. And thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me.
1: That's it for us here on Manage This. Thank you for joining us today. You can visit us at velociteach.com where you can subscribe to this podcast and see a complete transcript of the show. We also want to take a moment to say thank you to our listeners who reach out to us and leave comments on our website or on social media. You've also just earned some professional development units by listening to this podcast. To claim them, go to velociteach.com and choose Manage This Podcast from the top of the page. Click the button that says Claim PDUs and click through the steps. Until next time, keep calm and manage this.